Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Ms. Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our ComedyWham Facebook page. Please rate and review us on iTunes if you're listening to this podcast. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and now an events page for live shows featuring the best in Austin comedy in all its shapes and formats. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. Today, I am sitting down with somebody who is the host of the Tramps, Mr. Tramps Open Mic, uh, and I have to say, she wins the Best Promo Posts Award. Uh, hands <laughs> down, she has the Best Promo Posts for that Open Mic, and she's been on all of the showcases in town. I think she, I consider her to be a newer comic on the scene, uh, but I did start seeing her pop up everywhere when I saw her perform for Holly Cuomo's You Look Like show. Uh, she was... You were a feature, I think. You were the, like the guest yes. for that show. And I'm excited to learn more about her today, so please welcome Comedy Wham Presents, Leah Mulraney. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you look so warm and fuzzy in your... <laughs> this is my favorite jacket. I wear it all winter. <laughs> it's very, very nice. And, and you are a... Um, you are a long line of recent guests who have like a very fashion forward profile, if that's a thing to say. <laughs> um, but I also, when I was Googling you, you work as like a stylist. So. I used to. I oh, actually you... don't work there anymore. But yeah, I did oh. for a long time. Yeah. So like fashion is a thing for you. Yeah. It's definitely a, a, another passion of mine yeah. as well as comedy. And I certainly love dressing for the stage. It's definitely part of it that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lee, I don't know if you know this, but we have an icebreaker question. Okay. And uh, here we go. One word to describe your past. Weird. All right. Well, did you pre- did you prepare that, or is that really off the off the cuff? No, that's really off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about. Uh, whether you, you were familiar with the podcast and you happened to mention uh, one episode that you uh, were listening to and that person did her homework. So she like had thought about her word and was very... Oh, I had funny. no, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know you were going to ask me that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, tell us uh, where you're from and how you got to Austin. Sure. Uh, so I was born in Massachusetts, grew up mostly in New Hampshire, um, I honestly moved to Austin very randomly. I like found myself without a job in New Hampshire and I just needed a change. And a friend invited me to essentially live on his couch down here until I figured things out and got an apartment and everything. So I just took the chance and went for it. And here I am (laughs) four years later. Four years. Okay. All right. So I think I, that was probably in 2018 that I, I think I saw you for the first time. So you were already a couple years. Yeah, I did start doing comedy in 2018. Okay. All right. Um, When you were growing up, what what kind of comedic influences did you have? Or do you have a, a favorite comedic memory that you can think of? Um, yeah, I think for as far as comedians that I grew up on, I always wanted to be Joan Rivers, but I was like always used to her more as fashion police Joan Rivers. And then I discovered her old stand up videos from like the 60s, 70s. And she's just 
Like, that was just someone who always influenced me, like, style-wise and comedically, and I just feel like that's something that I love about her. Um, but the first thing I ever did comedically was submit an audition tape for all that that I filmed by myself in my parents' kitchen. I wouldn't let anybody watch me do it because I felt so awkward about it. Uh-huh. But So those are probably my earliest... Uh, I was I was listening. You were a guest on another podcast, and because I don't know that much about you, I was like spot listening. And there was something that you said about this audition that you did, and you weren't even sure that your dad submitted it. Yes, because <laughs> he told me that he still has it, but it was recorded on a, a VHS tape on an old camcorder, and I don't know that he made a copy. So I'm wondering if maybe he just never. <laughs> Mailed it, but I'd be interested to watch it, I guess. Yeah. It's probably better for him to still have it than for it to be in the hands of Nickelodeon. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So, yeah, I had no idea what you were auditioning for. All that? Is yeah, that it, was it was all called? that. Okay. And you know, it's like Amanda Bynes and Keenan Thompson well, and all that. Leah, we're in a different age group Yeah, I would say all that's probably most of my peers' uh, earliest uh, peek into, I guess, sketch comedy yeah. for children is what it was. So was it a matter that you you always thought you were fu- – were, were you in a large family and you were, like, the funny kid or in school you were the funny kid? Or is this just something that, like, you were interested in the fame? Well, I mean, what piqued your interest? I've just – the thing about why – like, when I started doing comedy, it was because I realized that, like – to phrase this, like, I always felt like I was someone who loved to make people laugh. I always felt like I was weird and, like, not, I don't know, I always just felt a little more high energy than most of the people around me. But I always had this idea that uh, people who did stand-up comedy just had some quality that I didn't have. Hmm. Like, that it was something that, like, I would love to do but couldn't figure out how to channel. And then when I figured out how to actually do stand-up comedy, it was just like, oh, like, I should have been doing this the whole time. Uh, you know what I mean? Does that, I don't yeah, know if that, yeah. I feel like that got off track of your question. <laughs> That's what this podcast is all about. It's going off track. I have a tendency to ramble, so. <laughs> when you were in New Hampshire, did you start comedy up there once you got, you know, past the, I'll audition for this, this big show? No, I really didn't do much, like, anything really in comedy in New Hampshire. Um, I didn't start doing stand-up until I moved down here like, a couple okay. of years ago. I've done, like, a couple open mics and a show or two in New Hampshire, so mm-hmm. I've tested out the scene a little bit. Yeah. But, um, you know, I would do community theater and things like that, but I never did much uh, comedically. Uh-huh. So tell me about the first time you did like a stand-up comedy. Uh, okay, so it was... Um, I went to this place, Giddy Ups, down south, because I figured that was probably the place where I had the lowest chance of seeing literally anybody <laughs> that I knew. Because uh-huh. um, I figured I would do it once, and if I hated it, I would just quit immediately and uh-huh. just never think about it again. Um, I wrote five minutes. Um, some of it I still use. Some of it was really bad. And it was... I think it went... As well as I could have expected a first set to go. Like, it wasn't amazing, but it was enough to make me feel like I could keep doing it. So, I don't... It was It was very much that I went into it with the idea that I was either going to quit immediately or just go all in, depending mm-hmm. on how that first set went. Yeah. And because you'd done community theater, being on stage was not a yeah, issue for you. I'm for sure no stranger to being on stage. I was never very good at dancing or singing or anything like that, but I did love doing it all. I always, Uh I did dance for maybe seven years. I did theater 
all through middle school and high school. So I'm definitely very much a stage person, but I could never find the thing that made me feel like I belonged on stage. I was just kind of like dancing in the chorus or like whatever, you know, just taking what I can get (laughs) as far as performance. So with that first experience, then what was the, what was the deciding factor? Because you were going to quit or you were going to go all in? Yeah, I don't know. I just, um, I was lucky that I had a big group of friends that co- to come with me. I had, I think, like seven people just sitting at a table in front there for me, which just made me feel so good. I got compliments from strangers, not to like toot my own horn. It wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a great set by any means. I think that people were definitely just being nice about yeah. it, but it just was like enough of what I wanted it to feel like for me to be like, I want more. I want to get better. Yeah. I want to keep going and see what else I can do. Like it, uh-huh. it didn't feel like I did great, but it felt like I could maybe turn it into something if I kept trying. Yeah. So it was a no brainer for you to go back a second time. Yeah. I think I went back out the very next night mm-hmm. and I had no idea how early you were supposed to sign up for an open mic. So I ended up going last and performed for two people, which was <laughs> such a stark contrast to my first set where yeah. it was a pretty full bar. All my friends were there. Second night, night right after just showed up by myself. Uh, it was a three, the first set I did was five minutes and I just was like, Oh, everything's going to be five minutes. So I showed up with my five minutes and then the host was like, it's three minutes. And I was like, okay, so I'm just going to figure out how to (laughs) squish it down. So it was just such a different experience on night Uh, two, like one after the other, which was an interesting start, but I was actually glad it went that way. (laughs) So I got, got the high and the low really quick right off the bat. Uh, I hadn't heard of this venue, Giddy Up. Is that the venue or the show name? That is the venue. I don't think there's an open mic there anymore. Um, yeah, it was just down south, barely in Austin. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't even remember. Like I, I remember a few people who were there, but for the most part, I don't really even remember who did that mic. Yeah, I've never heard of it, and I've been you know following and checking the the calendars for years <laughs> yeah. now. So I'm like, oh wow, I hadn't heard. It was a funny little place for yeah. sure. Very uh, just brightly lit kind of country, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Very very Texasy. It was called Giddy Up. Yeah. So you're officially two years because you said it was. This was in 2018. It was later in 2018. I think okay. maybe um, November, December, something like that. Okay. So it's only been like a year and some change now. I think. Oh wow! So you're like really young in the experience. So. Yeah. And uh, given that, and given that you had your high and then the low with those first two nights of comedy, how has has the entire experience of a year and a half-ish been for you? Because you have gotten on a lot of showcases. Yeah. I guess. guess. (laughs) It's like a a normal (laughs) amount. Uh, I think that the whole experience has just kind of mirrored that, though. You know, sometimes it's a really great show with a really big crowd. And then other times it's like four people who will barely give you the time of day. So, mm-hmm. but, um, it's something that I've always just loved the highs and lows of because they just, they always come. Like, I feel like after a string of shows where you're like, Oh my God, what is happening? Like, I'm not funny anymore. It just like comes back and you're like, Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh, going back again to, uh, spot listening the, to, uh, one of the podcasts that you were on, you, if I if I have this right, you self-described yourself as sad and vulgar. Does that sound right? Oh, did I say that? <laughs> yeah. I definitely caught the sad and I got too lazy to rewind. But I'm pretty sure because I've seen you perform enough that I think the vulgar probably fits a yeah. little bit. So I'm like, yeah, I guess sad and vulgar. I mean, would you... 
You can yeah, I mean, I fact check myself. For sure wouldn't <laughs> say I'm not either of those things. <laughs> so I for sure believe that I've said that in the past. Um, I must have really been feeling sad and vulgar that day for me to self-describe. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds like me. <laughs> Given, all right, I'm, I'm just, you know, fact check me here. I'm going to assume you had a nice childhood. You, yeah. I mean, New Hampshire, I have I was actually just listening to a program about New Hampshire uh, in the primary. So, you know, it's a notable state from the political perspective. Other than that, I'm a typical Texan, don't know anything else about the state. Uh, but I imagine, you know, very nice state uh, to grow up in. And so I remember my reaction when I first saw you at that uh, You Look Like show. Uh, I thought, oh, this, this woman is just, you know, she's very pretty she's got this nice outfit and then the stuff that came out of your mouth i'm like oh my god this is really <laughs> sad and there's a whole uh uh dick pic thing that you do uh in your set and it will not spoil the your jokes but i was like oh what a contrast you know with this presence that you you put out uh as far as your look and then the the stuff that you write and deliver as your jokes so all of that preface to say is, how did you settle into that? Or was that always part of you? I do think that is always part of me because, um, you know, like I said, I'm very expressive aesthetically, like my looks and my style. Like I know that uh, it, it can be a lot, but it's still something that I won't compromise about myself. I'm not going to stop like being over the top in my uh -huh. dress and my looks. And I like feeling good about myself, like creating my look every day is something that I value. But I definitely have always, um, you know, been angry about like the way that women are treated. And like a lot of my joke inspiration comes from that about how like scary it can be to be a woman, mm -hmm. but like still not wanting to compromise who you are, like dress in a way that's conservative because yeah. you're scared of the attention that it will get you. You know what I mean? Does yeah, that, yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? No, absolutely. That answer? <laughs> so it's almost like it's all, um, it's, uh, kind of getting close to a political statement without being overtly political and political. I just mean as you're making a declaration about, I, I wish to dress and look this way. I regret that those words came out the way that they did, but my comedy, I'm not going to compromise on either point. And so that's the way anybody should feel. Yeah. That they don't have to compromise on anything. I think that, yeah, like I just, I feel like women should be free to do whatever they want, mm -hmm. not wear a bra, dress how they want, yeah. say what they want. But there is still like a certain scariness attached to putting yourself all out there. Like there's always going to be that fear of like a creepy man, like mm -hmm. seeing you on the street and like, you know, there's just, it, it's scary, but I don't think that anyone should ever compromise who they are. So it's not necessarily political. It's just me yeah. like being my authentic self. And like, I want that for everybody. Like yeah. I want everyone to just you know yeah. acknowledge that things aren't always easy for women, but that we fully should just live to the fullest anyways if that yeah. makes sense that's yeah. kind of a ramble but yeah uh, and i think it's a it's a tough balance for women to to do that because you know it's it's kind of like the male version of oh you know i i don't know i don't know what the male version is but there's certain tropes that young male comics seem to fall into and uh i think 
I find myself saying a lot of really bad things, apparently, during this episode, but women <laughs> tend to to go a, a different route because they don't want to follow tropes. They want to be unique. But I find that by you going into certain things that... um. I don't know how to say this, uh, that are sexual, you're kind of, you're going head on against the topic. And I think younger comics are afraid to do that. Younger female comics, I think, are afraid to do that. And maybe I'm completely wrong on how I've seen younger female comics approach comedy. And... You can correct me on on that. Uh, I just I wonder if you find yourself ever challenged in the material that you do. People say, "Oh, you really shouldn't be talking about that on stage." Um, I do feel like maybe it's not always comedy that um, resonates with men as much as mm-hmm. other comedy might. But that's I just write from a place of like if it's. Me, I don't know, talking about something sexual, it's because, like, women are, we're sexual beings, like, I'm not gonna, like, lie and say that I'm not, like, a sexual person, like, as a comic, or, like, go with, like, the male idea of what that means, that sounds weird, the male idea, that's not, like, (laughs) not the male idea, but just, like, the, the woman, like, the sexuality of a woman, I think, is such a unique thing that, Mm -hmm. like, there's certain, it's kind of, like, this, I feel like I'm having as hard a time explaining it as you are asking. Um, no, but I just, um, I think I get like a lot of like nods from women when I bring up like the dick pic thing, like you said, just because, um, we, we pursue sexuality in a way that sometimes gets us a result that's like, oh no, it would back out. Like you sent a dick pic that I wasn't expecting. Like I'm not into this anymore. So it's just like, pursuing sexuality but sometimes in that pursuit you like experience like these weird things that men do and like maybe it's not funny to men to talk about that but yeah most women seem to we get it yeah we totally get it and that's probably why uh no um why as a female i connected with what you were saying not you know not that this is an invitation but the unsolicited dick pic is not something that's been part of you know i'm old it's just not part of my vernacular, but um, I definitely resonated with the unwanted advance, and that's just something that's part of the experience of being a woman, unfortunately. Yeah, like I that like that sort of thing. It's inspired by real stuff because I remember, for example, there was this one time when I it was someone that I had like matched with on Tinder or something, and like I knew him in high school, and we never like had any like sexual energy in high school. But he was like, "Oh, do you want to meet up for a drink?" Like blah blah blah, just talking normal. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he just sent me a dick pic, and I was like, "No, I don't want to go for this drink anymore." Like you, what? Like maybe this would have gone yeah. well for you if you had yeah. just been normal, yeah. but like it was crazy. <laughs> I just like that's just like a compulsion that like I cannot understand, and that yeah. sort of thing has happened like. An absurd amount of times, yeah. like, you wouldn't believe how, like, and not just to me, to yeah. many people, yeah. and I, it's funny, because I, like, think about my male friends, and I'm like, I don't think that any of them would do that, but then I'm like, I also didn't think that the people who right. <laughs> sent them would do that, so who knows? Yeah. It's like, how normal is that? Like, how often, <laughs> how many of them are doing that? Yeah. Um, all right, so I, I encourage you to keep pushing this narrative, because I think you're doing it really well, and Thank it's you. so funny listening to you talk of, like, 
you know, not backing down. Uh, you remind me a lot of Jen Kirkman. And I don't know if that's somebody that you're familiar with or know, like, her thing. Like, she's very adamant about her, her views, and she does not back down. So if you're going to, you know, kind of see a path towards, you know, grander success, look at her as a, as a potential model for how you, you manage it's You know, it's obviously not always uh, unicorns and sunshine. Yeah. But... You know, there is a way to do that, is to deal with tougher subjects, but still, still be successful. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I'm not super familiar with her work. I got to not, to be honest. Yeah, um, no, that's fine. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, I think that a lot of my viewpoint comes from like having like, cause, um, earlier when you were saying like, oh, you probably had like a nice childhood in New Hampshire and all that. And it's like, I did, but, like, I also very much grew up with, like, the idea of, like, the typical, like, you know, grow up, uh, get married, have kids, and, like, where that, like, wasn't really resonating with me, and, like, the, the, the standard timeline of, like, all of that just never really resonated with me, and then, like, experiencing, like, life, ne- like, in the modern world, it's, yeah. I keep using silly words, like, <laughs> mo- in the modern world, like, no, it's not, it's not that serious, it makes it sound like, oh, like, <laughs> Like, I'm not that stuffy. Uh, (laughs) But no, it's just, like, the... I feel like my experience now as, like, a woman in my later 20s and, you know, just out... Just, you know, being... Not living, like, the standard, like, marriage, kids timeline. It's, like, a lot of my viewpoint comes from, like, growing up with one idea of, like, how life was going to be, even though it never really sat well with me. And then, like, realizing that it didn't have to be that way, but also experience like just yeah like experiencing yeah the world in that way it's like weird i don't know yeah. like well that. given what you've just said then jen kirkman is definitely somebody you should look at okay yeah that's very to... much part of her thing is she's her the path that people wanted her to take the marriage the kids you know the traditional life she was like no i don't want any of that yeah and, you know being challenged to want those things and she's like no i don't know how many times i have to tell you i don't want to get married i don't want to have kids this is not what i want to do yeah i mean imagine being challenged constantly on those things yeah for sure i think my my mom's probably given up on the idea of me ever having kids but i remember like when i was a kid just like dreading the idea of getting pregnant Mm -hmm. like the idea of like getting pregnant and like giving birth and raising something from a baby I was like that's I don't like I'm dreading like the day when that comes like I don't know how I'm gonna deal with that and then at some point I was like oh I don't I literally don't have to do that like I literally don't have to get married or get pregnant if I don't want to like that's totally optional and that's I think where the the way that I was brought up to, like, feel like that was just going to be, like, my life path, which wasn't, you know, a negative environment or anything. Like, that was always, like, a positive thing yeah. that, like, my family wanted for me. It just wasn't what I wanted for myself. But I think that the the day that I, like, realized that that wasn't – or not the day because it wasn't like, a specific day. But when I realized, like, that wasn't the life path that I had to take if I didn't want to was when I started to shift into a pursuing life entirely, like, in the way that I wanted to and, like, mm-hmm. not – not thinking about, like, the standard path and, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> regretting, like, spending money on college now that I'm, like, in this point. I'm, like, that was kind of <laughs> pointless. Um, <laughs> but it's just stepping out of, like, that standard 
path that I felt was kind of laid out, like made me like see all those things through like a different lens, which I think mm-hmm. makes it come out now as I'm trying to mold it into like comedic material. Yeah. So I think it draws from like the, the contrasting ideas of what life is going to be. Yeah. As you're past that year and a half mark, um, do you see any shift in, in your, your skills as, as a comic? Are you, what, what kind of things are you learning right now? Um, I feel like I'm having actually an interesting time learning right now because, um, I know when I first started doing comedy, I would write out every single word, every single pause, every single everything mm-hmm. before every set, say it in my shower, say it in the car on the way of the mic. And it like resulted in this very like structured, like same every time set. And then I would say a few months ago, I got to a point where I was like, I need to just break out of that. I need to just stop doing that so much. And yeah. I've just like been on this like different like kind of uh way of creating material where I'm just like going off of ideas and like trying to like uh like you know just make new material off the cuff or like redo old stuff like in real time rather than writing it out and like now I'm kind of at the point where I'm like okay I see the benefits of those two ways so it's time to like meld those methods together and like figure out how to make both of those tendencies work because it's just like there's no I feel like there's always, like, a million things to learn. Like, there's so much in comedy that can only be learned in time and that, like, you only – at least for me, I feel like there's things that, like, if I go to mics every night, like, I see a significant difference than if I only go, like, two in a week or something. Like, Mm -hmm. it's – for me, like, the repetition and the the learning, the methods and figuring – like, that's just – in five years, like, I have no idea what I'll be doing to prepare or to write or, like, yeah. anything like that. But, um, yeah, there, there's always, like, stuff I'm learning. And I think that my my skill level, I guess, has probably changed just from doing it more and more. But I think I'm just uh, – the longer I do it, the more I'm willing to just experiment with yeah. any old idea, whatever, whatever comes up. And yeah. a lot of it just never makes it to, you know, like, a show set um, – Whereas before, I feel like I would only, like, do things at mics when I was pretty sure they were going to be okay enough to tell on stage. But also, yeah. I only had, like, seven minutes at that time. So, <laughs> kind of had to. Yeah. Was was the fully scripted, written pause breaks, was that uh, a security blanket for you, do you think? Yeah, I do. And I still, like, I'm clearly still a security <laughs> blanket kind of person. <laughs> Just show me her, her palm that has her notes. It's, uh, yeah, the remnants of last night's set list. And it's not, I never looked, I, I do look down at my hand for mics, I guess, but when I do a show, like, I very rarely look down at my hand to confirm where I'm at, but uh-huh. it is, like, I need to know that it's there, like, just in case I stumble or just in case. So I don't think that I fully trust myself yet to, like, deliver a set seamlessly, even though, like, most of the time I don't need to look at my hand, it's always covered in, like, scraps of pen just from, like, everything. Like, I'll go to work, like, this the next day. Um, which is, like, silly because people will ask me, like, do you need that on your hand? And I'm like, probably not, but maybe. So yeah. I just want to make sure it's there. It's the but, security blanket. Just yeah. a different version. So I don't know if I'll ever get to a point where I don't. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, it's literally like an anxiety thing. Like, I just need to know that, like, if I forget, like, I can always look down at my hand, yeah. even though ideally I never have to. Yeah. Uh, let's get into some controversy. Do you think people should do their sets with their notepads and their phones with them? 
I mean, I think that people need to do whatever they need to do to okay. make them feel comfortable. <laughs> but um, for me, I know when I first started, I was like, I'm never bringing paper on stage. Mm-hmm. I will not do that. Like, it's absolutely – and I still won't ever bring my phone. Like, I'm, phone is too much for me. I don't like to bring technology into it when I'm on stage. You know, I just – which is, like, even the notes. Like, I don't like – like, I think it's – you know, the, the artistry of comedy is to just look like you're talking out of your ass, isn't it? So <laughs> – right. Ideally, I I like to have nothing with me, but I also like everyone like learns their material different, yeah. and, like learns their sets different. But also at the same time, I don't I, for a showcase. I I do find that like I would rather not have like a set list anywhere, like yeah. not visible, like because I just the the illusion of being off the cuff. I feel like is too important to just have a, a notebook on the stool next to you for a show. But like a mic is you yeah. know <laughs> do whatever you want, <laughs> right. Yeah. Because that's just practice time. But right, when right. it's showtime, try to <laughs> just have it on my hands yeah. in case. That's all. Well, speaking of, of uh, increasing skills, you are the host of the Mr. Tramps uh, comedy mic, which I – open mic, which I've never been been to just because it is oh, way past come. my bedtime. <laughs> way past my bedtime, Leah. That's fair. I hear that a lot and I understand. <laughs> and it's quite it's far from bedtime. here. Oh, yeah. It's true. Um and I'm wondering, I know I've observed how the trading of hosting uh, roles goes with the open mic. Sometimes it's, well, you keep showing up and I'm ready to pass the reins on. Oh, look, you're there. Here. <laughs> but part of it, too, is uh, you have to accept that role. And why? what was it about taking on a hosting uh, role that appealed to you? Um, honestly, it just fell into my lap and I'm not, if, I'll take any opportunity if I'm, you know, like I, if I'm, I love comedy and if someone's like, do you want to host this open yeah. mic? Of course, I'm going to be like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's been fun because it is that like late night mic. Everyone knows Mr. Tramps is Mr. Tramps. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it has a little bit of a, a wild a, hair. Yeah. Like a, it's got, it's, it's got a stigma. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> I guess. No, it's a, it's, a, it's been interesting though, because that, I feel like that has been part of what's inspired me to go more off the cuff lately. Mm. It's just because that room is, it's, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like there's always like hecklers and just weird, weird stuff going on there. Yeah. I've heard some things from its past, something about like a, a bowl of poop or something oh. that I don't know someone told me that and I was like I really just agreed to host this well I hope <laughs> please don't come at me with that uh, <laughs> but no it's been fun and um uh my my friend uh Michael Priest also hosts it with me so he usually takes the late shift of it so uh-huh. I can uh, go home early <laughs> it's like a nice uh symbiotic like I'll take the first half you take the second yeah. makes it a lot easier yeah yeah oh, it, I have seen that model at at uh uh, Cherrywood. Yeah. As well. Mm-hmm. That's much more reasonable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I'm like, it's definitely late. I work on Monday mornings, but I do mm-hmm. that. If I just hang out for like an hour, it's fine. It's yeah. a good time. Yeah. It's just the, the good half. <laughs> and your promo, uh, posts are so like, the, I don't know what it is about them. I always look forward to seeing them because <laughs> I know that's going to be just, if I can say it, they're just going to be trashy, you know, in their own way. Like I, I, uh, Par- you've had one that had Paris Hilton and, you know, like she was probably really drunk, captured on camera and they're, yours are sometimes video. Am I? No, they're usually just like, a um, 
They're like, I am so old, Leah. You must think, oh my God. <laughs> no, I just like, I make them kind of sloppily on my Instagram stories and I just save the videos and oh, like post them is. to, okay. yeah. Um, no, they're, I just, I, I thought about like getting like a flyer made for that mic, but then I just started before I did that. Um, cause I was like, I'm kind of, I don't really have $40 right now. So I was like, let me just throw something together. Uh-huh. So yeah, I just, I don't know that the vibe of like those like sloppy 2000 celebrities. Like uh-huh. I, you know, I was like in college when they were all like super relevant, right. like in the, they're all like wore the juicy track suits. Like that's very much like something that I always <laughs> found so fun and like love. So I just, it's yeah, it's like just 2000s trash. It's kind of yeah. like a part of my aesthetic, like that, like 2000s kind of trash, yeah. sloppy vibe. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> So yeah, just you know, just using using my gals, my my Lindsay Lohan and my uh, Paris Hilton yeah. to say, come hang with me on yeah. a Sunday night. This maybe we'll we'll have a few beers, get yeah. a little little slops on a Sunday. You so. you mentioned that one of the things that you found yourself learning from that uh, from hosting the open mic is being a little more off the cuff. Um, so you that's a great skill to to build up for yourself. Is there been anything else once you got the sorry uh once you got that hosting role and you started feeling more comfortable as a host is that when you started thinking oh i'd like to host something um maybe a little more traditional as a showcase or yeah so actually um you mentioned holly cuomo and her show earlier she told me like very early on um and she was super helpful to me very early on she gave me a lot of really good advice but she told me that starting a mic first and getting used to hosting in that role was going to just better prepare me for a showcase. So I didn't necessarily follow that on purpose, but just, like I said, tramps fell into my lap. And then, you know, a few months later, um, I had a couple showcases. And she was definitely right about the the time spent hosting an open mic, preparing you much better to, like, host a showcase. Because even, like, the first couple tramps and like the first time I hosted a showcase like I felt a little like uneasy and like because it's it's much more conversational than just mm-hmm. doing a set because you have to you know tell the audience what's up what's going to be yeah. happening here so um yeah I feel like that uh I think that hosting that I feel like I'm going so off topic <laughs> like that, uh, <laughs> I told you I ramble it just keeps happening oh my god uh, <laughs> no self-control about that <laughs> Um, no, but it definitely, yeah, I feel like the, the ability to be conversational is something that I definitely picked up. Cause I didn't, ha- like I said, I was very structured and tightened mm-hmm. and every word, every pause written out, but hosting just doesn't really allow for that same kind of structure because you have to interact with the audience. You don't really, right. cause you're delivering like more than just comedy. You're also telling them what's happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a, a helpful piece of advice that I kind of followed by accident, but actually ended up being super true. So thank you, Holly. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Holly here. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> so how did Fever Dream come up? So that was actually um, just kind of random, actually. The the bartender for that bar, Penny Lane Street Bar, she had posted that there was going to be a comedy open mic at like 5.30 p.m. Uh-huh. And me and Gabby, my co-host for that show, we worked downtown and we were like a 5.30 p.m. mic downtown. Sick. Let's do it. <laughs> and we went and we were for a while, for like the first like half hour or so, we were the only comics there. And we were just like, so it's kind of empty here, but how is it on a Friday? And they were like pretty good. So we... 
asked them if we could do a show, and they were just like, yeah. And it's been – we've done two now. We had our second one last night, actually. Ah. Um, and it went, you know, pretty well. I think we're uh, we're building it up. We've had, like, awesome comics. Like, I we've booked, like, you know, just people that we love, and we're continuing to do that, which is, I think, the fun part about hosting a showcase is just, like, curating, like, people that, like, genuinely – like, make you laugh and, like, that have different styles and, like, putting their styles together to make, like, this, like, show of, like, varied styles. Um, yeah, I think, uh, so it was just kind of, like, a show that came about <laughs> to go along with the theme, just, like, in a fever dream. <laughs> um, no, me and Gabby hang out a lot and we write and, like, we do a lot of comedy things together, so hosting a show together was, like, a no-brainer for us and we're lucky that it just came together so easily. Yeah. How often is the show? Uh, it's monthly, so okay. it's the first Friday of every month. So you're not you're uh, you're able to learn at a decent pace the the elements of the behind the scene. Of yeah, and booking and yeah. It's funny because yeah, uh, it is like every time we do it, um, we learn a little bit more about how to make it go a little better. Uh-huh. Like how many comics should we have? Like how much time should everyone? Like it's it's very much an ongoing learning experience, and we've been lucky that it's been good so far so i think that we'll just you know figure it out tweak it make it because it's the the bar is great they just like renovated the bar it's really cool huh. um so i think that we're uh we're 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 happy about the direction that it's going and like see it just we're happy it's like us it's like our baby like yeah. we we went back and forth like with a graphic designer who was awesome cassidy curry she designed our flyer and she just put so much effort into like making it exactly what we wanted mm-hmm. and like we have like a little playlist for it, so like we're it's uh, we tried to make merch, but we uh, <laughs> had a little mishap with that this month. But we'll get it together next month. Um, yeah, it's been fun though. I think we're okay. Tell the audience and tell the old person that you're sitting across from where is this bar? Um, it is next to Gus's Fried Chicken downtown. So it's on. Oh my god, I'm so bad at street <laughs> names. I just like put it into Uber and like go there. Uh- <laughs> Um, it's downtown on 2nd and Lavaca, maybe? No, not Lavaca. That's totally wrong. Is it west or east? It's closer to the highway, so east. Okay. All right. That's probably why. It's hard for somebody this far to travel across that highway. Yeah. (laughs) You're really, like, out in the boons out here. (laughs) Nice scenic drive, though. Yeah. It's like, oh, Texas is kind of pretty when you get out of the... Yeah. There's, like, some... A little bit of landscape out here is nice. Yeah, yeah it is nice. Is this uh, near the lake? Uh, yeah. It, the lake is just up the, nice. the roadway. Love so, nature. Yeah. Well, you know, you could head home going north and then back into downtown if you wanted to. Yeah, take the scenic route. <laughs> We're going to just talk about Google Maps for the next uh, all right, so that is very exciting to be hosting a show, hosting an open mic. What are some other things that you're looking forward to tackling as you, you know, keep going on this learning curve of, of comedy? Like everything, like all of it. <laughs> um, it's uh, like I've gone to San Antonio now a couple times, so it's been fun just to like go, cool. which is like a small thing, just like going out of yeah. Austin to do comedy, but um, just, just, Everything that I consider to be, like, leveling up, like, I look forward to. Like, I look forward to, like, eventually getting on festivals and, like, hopefully, like, you know, being, like, a headliner, like, somewhere. Like, I don't know. But, like, I don't It's It's all going to take time. Yeah. Um, so I'm not necessarily, like, oh, I want to be, like, a headliner by this time. But I'm, like, I know that I want to, like, 
get myself to a place of being like that kind of comic, like as quick as possible, but like knowing also that there's like a certain amount of time and effort and practice and writing and everything that like goes into that. So just like as much as I'm looking forward to the concrete milestones of getting on a good festival or headlining shows or like all these things, like I know that like it's as much as I look forward to that, like the, it's only going to happen like when I put in like as much effort as possible to make it happen. So I'm just looking forward to continuing and growing and putting in more effort. And, um, yeah, I don't, does that, (laughs) again, like such a ramble, such a ramble (laughs) on the subject, but, uh, yeah, like I just, um, I'm looking forward to the work that I have to put in to become like everything that I want to within comedy, because I see it as something that I want to, go as far as possible in, but I'm still so young and new to the scene and have so much to learn. And it's like, yeah, I want to headline and do festivals and all these things, but I still need to work on my material and make it better and like be someone that people want to listen to for 30, 45 minutes, an hour. Like obviously like the ultimate goal is like hour long special, widely distributed. Like that's the ultimate goal, but like that's something that I'm like five, 10, 15, 20 years, who knows? <laughs> like it's just, it's, on I don't it's just yeah like it's something that I don't have like a timeline for but I'm like I look forward to just getting yeah better and more and are are you a, a goal setting person because I mean you rattled that off pretty quick about your you know what your milestones what what you wanted your milestones to I, be I think that I'm more um it's less of a goal where I'm like, I need to do this by this and more of like a motivator. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if I know that I want to do those things, so I have to do all these things along the way to get there. So it's, I think that like, you can't, cause like uh, there is in any performance, like there's a certain aspect of it that is external that people have to like, like what you do and like, like your material. So like, there's not really a timestamp of when you can make that happen. You just have to keep trying. So I think that the, the things that I want are, they're definitely goals, but they're just like, yeah, I guess that means I'm goal oriented if I want this thing and I'm going to do the work. Yeah. (laughs) I guess long story short, yes, I am a goals person. I'm like, no, it's more conceptual and abstract, but no, yes, I am clearly based on that. I guess a goals person. I was kind of testing the waters to see if you were a vision board person or not too. I I don't like constructive vision board, but I'm definitely like, uh, I see myself as something in the future that I'm not yet. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, one of the things that, uh, came up on, on one of the podcasts that you were a guest on is one of the the guests said, or the host said that you are, you are successful and you pushed back on that because at the time, uh, this was, let's see if I can get this right. Which of the podcasts, it was the comedy pending podcast. And I don't know the date stamp for that one. Uh, but you pushed back on the description or label of your successful young comic. And uh, let's say that that podcast was recorded a year ago. If I were to describe you as a successful young comic, would you push back as much? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, I think that I'm, an active comic, but like, I don't, like, what is this? Like, there's no, like, I'm not like a, 
I'm not like a full time like comedian, like yeah. super talented. Like I'm just you know I I do shows about as much as anyone else who's like doing do you, this. So you have a definition of what success. I mean, I I feel like I don't. Like, I feel like I'm not, like, to say that you're a successful comic, like, within the scene, within comedy as a whole, it's like, I don't really know. It's Everyone associates that with their own thing, so yeah. it's not, um, I don't know, but there, there are certain things that, certain benchmarks, certain shows that, like, do make me feel like, okay, like, I feel like I'm doing this much better than this time last year, so yeah, maybe by my standard last year when I pushed back, um, I would say yes. Like if I, if I saw myself now, I would be like, Oh yes, Leah, you, you became successful based on what you said a year ago. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm here and doing what I probably would have viewed as success a year ago, mm -hmm. like that's not like, I still have so much more to do that. Like yeah. this isn't, it's never the end. So no, I'm never going to say that I'm I'll probably, yes, I will always push back on that question probably because sure, this would have been great last year, but I'm like, next year I want to be doing more, more yeah. doing, you know, doing bigger stuff and yeah. who knows what that's going to look like. But maybe the question is, uh, are you happy doing what you're doing? And oh, I, I yeah. I a flavor earlier that you were. So I yeah, I'm happy with everything that I do. Every yeah. show, like it all like, Bombing, not bonging, like, bo did I just say bonging? You did. did I literally just say bonging? Where did you do? <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. This is a drug-free environment. Wow. Anyone was. Wow. I have no thinking, I can't wait to get out of here. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Wow. <laughs> that came from nowhere. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyways, yeah, but, like, whether I'm bombing or not bombing, not bonging, uh, it's, like, the best thing I do in my entire day is yeah. comedy, no matter what the outcome is. When I wake up in the morning, I go to work, and I'm, like, well, I'm gonna do comedy later. Like, no matter what happens, it's still, like, whatever stage time I get makes me feel good, even yeah. if it's bad. Yeah. That's a great place to be, because... Uh, the one lesson for anybody that's doing comedy is if you're not happy, that's not yeah, great. Yeah, I think everyone just does it until they can't stand it anymore. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I hope that it feels like this forever because I love it so much. Like, yeah. I can't imagine my life without comedy. So I just, like, I never want to lose that state. Being on stage and being around other people who love being on stage, like, brings yeah. me so much joy Especially, as we said before, I am, like, a generally sad person, I guess. Um, and just the joy that I get from comedy kind of aligns with, like, the sadness that is inside me. Because yeah. it's, like, the way that I... I think it's the way that a lot of people, like, um, express their sadness. Because I don't like to be, like, I'm sad. Like, I'm crying. Like, well, like that's mm -hmm. not really me. But I'm, like, life definitely sucks. And it's hard a lot of the time. And yeah. I feel like I want to talk about it. But not, like, in a pity me. I just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, well, there's there's the phrase, the stage is, is basically your therapy sometimes. And yeah. If you're not a, a weepy, sad, crying person, then being able to express yourself in some way on a stage it can be helpful. Yeah, I think that for a lot of people, a stage just feels like home. Mm -hmm. So I think that whether you do that as a comedian or as a musician or as an actor, like there's just a certain, a certain like 
thing that performance gives people that allows them to feel expressive and okay and happy with what they're doing on the stage. Like, it's just like a different piece of existence where it's like you go from like normal conversation to like this stage where it's arguably vain because it's like all lights on me look at me listen to me but like i don't know it's just um it feels good to be there yeah yeah well fantastic i think that's a perfect perfect spot for us to start wrapping up with is there anything we haven't covered that you want to make sure people know about you no i don't think so i mean everything came out pretty organically i guess (laughs) (laughs) hopefully it didn't sound weird (laughs) no um all right well are you ready for your closing question yeah one word to describe your future awesome (laughs) weird (laughs) (laughs) we'll try not to title this article everything is awesome (laughs) 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 all right that is a wrap on comedy (laughs) wing presents leah mulroney leah tell us where we can find you on social media and uh why don't you tell us about upcoming shows you want to promote sure uh if you want to find me on twitter see my sad thoughts it's sad gal underscore lily uh like bad gal riri but lily but So lame. Uh, but it's Lily with two E's instead of an I, I guess. And then my uh, my Instagram is just Leah Mulroney. Um, and then the next Fever Dream show will be, I think it's March 6th. Friday, March 6th. I can confirm okay. that in just one second. Uh, yes, Friday, March 6th, we'll have another Fever Dream comedy at Penny Lane Street Bar. Fantastic. And, and come to Tramps. Have yeah. a- <laughs> it's a late night Sunday mic, usually after, kicks off after the Cap City mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like the timing. Yep, usually right after. You sign up at 10, show starts at 1030, yeah. draw names randomly. It's, you know, nice, wacky, good time. Yeah. Way to wind down the weekend. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's, I recommend coming. Yeah. I, I <laughs> it's <did>. a hoot. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Leah got to be the comedic genius that you heard today, just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents Leah Mulroney. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. Thanks for having me.